Welcome back, third graders. Today we are going to start how to eat fried worms, and we are going to listen to chapters one through four today, and then continue with six through nine the next few days here. Okay, so we will start with chapter one, and we will begin. Now, before we start, take a look at the table of contents. This book has 41 chapters. But if you look really closely, some of the chapters are only a page or two. Some are three pages. There is one that is one page long. So they're not very long chapters. Okay. We will continue with chapter one, the bet. Bantam Doubleday Dell Audio Publishing presents How to Eat Fried Worms by Thomas Rockwell. Chapter One, The Bet. Hey Tom, where were you last night? Yeah, you missed it. Alan and Billy came up the front walk. Tom was sitting on his porch steps, bouncing a tennis ball. Old man Tater caught Joe as we were climbing through the fence. So we all had to go back and he made us pile the peaches on his kitchen table and then he called our mothers. Joe's mother hasn't let him out yet. Where were you? Tom stopped bouncing a tennis ball. He was a tall skinny boy who took his troubles very seriously. My mother kept me in. What for? I wouldn't eat my dinner. Alan sat down on the step below Tom and began to chew his thumbnail. What was it? Salmon casserole. Billy flopped down on the grass, chunky, snub-nosed, freckled. Salmon casserole's not so bad. Wouldn't she let you just eat two bites? Asked Alan. Sometimes my mother says, well, all right, if I'll just eat two bites. I wouldn't eat even one. Well, that's stupid, said Billy. One bite can't hurt you. I'd eat one bite of anything before I let them send me up to my room right after supper. Tom shrugged. How about mud? Alan asked Billy. You would need a bite of mud. Alan argued a lot, small, knobby-kneed, nervous, gnawing at his thumbnail, his face smudged, his red hair must, shirt tail hanging out, shoelaces untied. Sure I would, Billy said. Mud? What's mud? Just dirt with a little water in it. My father says everyone eats a pound of dirt every year anyway. How about poison? That's different. Billy rolled over on his back. Is your mother going to make you eat the leftovers today at lunch? He asked Tom. She never has before. We'll stop there for a second on page three. Now think about what is one food that maybe you would not eat even for... $100. Is there something that you just don't like? Think about that as we continue. We're on top of page three. How about worms? Alan asked Billy. Tom's sister's cat squirmed out from under the porch and rubbed against Billy's knee. Sure, said Billy. Why not? Worms are just dirt. Yeah, but they bleed. So you'd have to cook them. Cows bleed. 
I bet a hundred dollars you wouldn't really eat a worm. You talk big now, but you wouldn't if you were sitting at the dinner table with a worm on your plate. I bet I would. I'd eat 15 worms if somebody bet me a hundred dollars. You really want to bet? I'll bet you $50 you can't eat 15 worms. I really will. Where are you going to get $50? In my savings account, I got $130.79 in my savings account. I know because last week I put in the $5 my grandmother gave me for my birthday. Your mother wouldn't let you take it out. She would if I lost the bet. She'd have to. I tell her I was going to sell my stamp collection otherwise, and I bought that with all my own money that I earned mowing lawns, so I can do whatever I want with it. I'll bet you $50 you can't eat 15 worms. Come on! You're chicken. You know you can't do it. I would do it, said Tom. <coughs> Salmon casserole makes me sick. Think what 15 worms would do. Joe came scuffing up the walk and flopped down beside Billy. He was a small boy with dark hair and a long nose and big brown eyes. What's going on? Come on, said Alan to Billy. Tom can be your second and Joe will be mine, just like in a duel. You think it's so easy. Here's your chance to make 50 bucks. Billy dangled a leaf in front of the cat, but the cat just rubbed against his knee, purring. What kind of worms? Regular worms. Not those big green ones that get on the tomatoes. I won't eat those. And I won't eat them all at once. Might make me sick. One worm a day for 15 days. Ooh, there's a bet right there. One worm a day for 15 days. What do you think? Could you do it? Let's see if Billy can. And he can eat them any way he wants, said Tom. Boiled, stewed, fried, fricassee. Yeah, but we provide the worms, said Joe. And there have to be witnesses present when he eats them. Either me or Alan or somebody we can trust, not just you and Billy. Okay, Alan said to Billy. Billy scratched the cat's ears. Fifty dollars. That was a lot of money. How bad could a worm taste? He'd eat fried liver, salmon loaf, Mushrooms, tongue, pig's feet. Other kids' parents were always nagging them to eat, eat. His had begun to worry about how much he ate. Not that he was fat, he just hadn't worked off all his winter blubber yet. He slid his hand into his shirt and furtively squeezed the side of his stomach. Worms were just dirt. Dirt wasn't fat. If he won fifty dollars, he could buy that George Cunningham's brother had promised to sell him in September before he went away to college. Heck, he could gag anything down for $50, couldn't he? He looked up. I can use ketchup or mustard or anything like that. As much as I want? Alan nodded. Okay? Billy stood up. Okay. Chapter 2. Now, before we start chapter two, make sure you talk with your teachers and see, would your teacher do it for $50? Or I'm sorry, I apologize, $100? Or $50? Or 
what would it take for you to eat 15 worms in 15 days? So maybe ask your teacher if they would be willing to do that as well. Chapter 2. Digging. No, said Tom. That's not fair. He and Alan and Joe were wandering around behind the barns at Billy's house, arguing over where to dig the first worm. What do you mean it's not fair, said Joe. Nobody said anything about where the worms were supposed to come from. We can get them anywhere we want. Not from a manure pile, said Tom. That's not fair. Even if we didn't make a rule about something, you still have to be fair. What difference does it make where the worm comes from, said Alan. A worm's a worm. There's nothing wrong with manure, said Joe. It comes from cows, just like milk. Joe was sly, devious, a schemer. The manure pile had been his idea. You and Billy have got to be fair, too, said Alan to Tom. Besides, we'll dig in the old part of the pile where it doesn't smell much anymore. Come on said Tom, starting off across the field, dragging a shovel. If it was fair, you wouldn't be so anxious about it. Would you eat a worm from a manure pile? Joe and Alan ran to catch up. I wouldn't eat a worm, period, said Joe. So you can't go by that. Yeah, but if your mother told you to go out and pick some daisies for the supper table, would you pick the daisies off a manure pile? My mother wouldn't ask me. She'd ask my sister. You know what I mean. Alan and Tom and Joe beamed on their shovels under a tree in the apple orchard, watching the worms they had dug squirming on a flat rock. Not him, said Tom, pointing to a nightcrawler. Why not? Look at him. He'd choke a dog. Jeez, exploded Alan. You expect us to pick one Billy can just gulp down like an ant or a nit? Gulping's not eating said Joe. The worm's got to be big enough so Billy has to cut it into bites and eat it with a fork. Off a plate. It's this one or nothing, said Alan, picking up the nightcrawler. Tom considered the matter. It would be more fun watching Billy try to eat the nightcrawler. He grinned. Oh, it was huge. A regular python. Billy saw it. We let you choose where to dig, said Alan. After all, thought Tom, Billy couldn't expect to win $50 by just gulping down a few measly little baby ones. All right, come on. He turned and started back toward the barns, dragging his shovel. Chapter 3, Training Camp. Six, seven, eight, nine... Ten. Billy was doing push-ups in the deserted horse barn. He wasn't worried about eating the first one. The people were always daring him to do things, and he found it was better to look ahead to try to figure things out get himself ready. Last winter, Alan had dared him to sleep out all night in the igloo they'd built in Tom's backyard. Why not? Billy thought to himself. What could happen? About midnight, huddled, shivering under his blankets in the darkness, begun to wonder if he should give up and go home. His feet felt like aching stones in his boots. Even his tongue inside his mouth was cold. But half an hour later, as he was stubbornly dancing about outside in the moonlight to warm himself, 
Tom's dog Martha had come along with six other dogs, all in a pack, and Billy had coaxed them into the igloo and blocked the door with an orange crate, and after the dogs had stopped wrestling and nipping and barking and sniffing around, they'd all gone to sleep in a heap, with Billy in the middle, as warm as an onion stew. But he hadn't been able to think of anything special to do to prepare himself for eating a worm, so he was just limbering up in general, push-ups, knee-bends, jumping jacks, red-faced and perspiring. Nearby on an orange crate, he'd set out bottles of ketchup and Worcestershire sauce, jars of piccalilli and mustard, a box of crackers, salt and pepper shakers, a lemon, a slice of cheese, his mother's tin cinnamon and sugar shaker, a box of Kleenex, a jar of maraschino cherries, some horseradish, and a plastic honey bear. Tom's head appeared around the door. Ready? Billy scrambled up, brushing back his hair. Yeah. Ta-ra! Tom flung the door open. Alan marched in, carrying a covered silver platter in both hands. Joe, slouching along beside him with a napkin over one arm, nodding and smiling obsequiously. Tom dragged another orange crate over beside the first. Alan set the silver platter on it. Now, before we read the next part, the next part on this page 11, they really do a good job of using different dialect and different words and kind of use a little French accent as well. So pay real close attention to the way the dialogue goes between the boys now as they kind of tease each other. A chair, cried Alan. A chair for the monsieur. Come on, said Billy. Cut the clowning. Tom found an old milking stool in one of the horse stalls. Joe dusted it off with his napkin, showing his teeth, and then ushered Billy onto it. Ladies and gentlemen, shouted Alan, I present my masterpiece, Verm a la Mud. He swept the cover off the platter. Ah, cried Billy, recoiling. And if we take a look at the next chapter, the title tells us everything. The first worm. What would you need to do to a worm to eat it? Maybe nothing. You would never do it. Would you have to fry it, boil it, make it in with some soup? What would you have to do to eat that worm like Billy is? We'll continue on four. Chapter four, the first worm. The huge night crawler sprawled limply in the center of the platter, brown and steaming. Boiled, said Tom. We boiled it. Billy stormed about the barn, kicking barrels and posts, arguing. A nightcrawler isn't a worm. If it was a worm, it'd be called a worm. A nightcrawler's a nightcrawler. Finally, Joe ran off to get his father's dictionary. Nightcrawler. Now, earthworm, especially a large earthworm found on the soil's surface at night. Billy kicked a barrel. It still wasn't fair. 
He didn't care what a dictionary said. Everybody knew the difference between a nightcrawler and a worm. Look at the thing. Yeah, it was as big as a souvenir pencil from the Empire State Building. Yeah, he poked it with his finger. Alan said they'd agreed right at the start that he and Joe could choose the worms. If Billy was going to cheat, the bet was off. He got up and started for the door. He guessed he had other things to do besides argue all day with a fink. So Tom took Billy aside into a horse stall and put his arm around Billy's shoulders and talked to him about George Cunningham's brother, Mike, and how they collided on the trail under the power lights behind Odell's farm up and down the hills, bounding over rocks. Sure, it was a big worm, but it would only be a couple more bites. Slop enough mustard and ketchup and horseradish on it, and he wouldn't even taste it. Yeah, said Billy. I could probably eat this one, but I gotta eat 15. You can't quit now, said Tom. Look at them. He nodded at Alan and Joe waiting beside the orange crates. They'll tell everybody you were chicken. It'll be all over school. He led Billy back to the orange crate, sat him down, tied the napkin around his neck. Alan flourished the knife and fork. Would Monsieur like it carved lengthwise or crosswise? Hitch it? asked Joe, showing his teeth. Cut it out, said Tom. Here. He glopped ketchup and mustard and horseradish on the nightcrawler, squeezed on a few drops of lemon juice, and salted and peppered it. Billy closed his eyes and opened his mouth. Oh, yeah. Tom sliced off the end of the nightcrawler and forked it up. But just as he was about to poke it into Billy's open mouth, Billy closed his mouth and opened his eyes. No, let me do it. Tom handed him the fork. Billy gazed at the dripping ketchup and mustard, thinking, Oh, it's all right talking about eating worms, doing it. Tom whispered in his ear, mini bike. Look, Billy poked the fork into his mouth, chewed furiously, gulped, gulped. His eyes crossed, swam, squinched shut. He flapped his arms wildly and then, opening his eyes, he grinned beatifically up at Tom. Superb, Gaston. Tom cut another piece, ketchup, mustard it, salted, peppered, horseradish, and lemoned it, and handed the fork to Billy. Billy slugged it down, smacking his lips. And so they proceeded, now sprinkling on cinnamon and sugar, or a bit of cheese, some cracker crumbs, Worcestershire sauce, until there was nothing on the plate but a few stray dabs of ketchup and mustard. Well, said Billy, standing up and wiping his mouth with his napkin. So, we are done with the first curse. Now, seconds. Let me look in your mouth, said Alan. Yeah, said Joe. See if he swallowed it all. Certainly, certainly, said Billy. Look as long as you want. Alan and Joe scrutinized the inside of his mouth. Okay, okay, said Tom. Leave him alone now. Come on. One down, 14 to go. How'd it taste? 
asked Alan. Good, good, said Billy. Very fine, very fine. <laughs> he flapped his arms like a big bird, began to hop around the bar and cry. Good, good, very fine, very fine. Good, good. Alan and Joe and Tom looked worried. Uh, yeah, good, good. How you feeling, Billy? Tom asked. Yeah, stop flapping around and come tell us how you're feeling, said Joe. They huddled together by the orange crates as Billy hopped around and around them, flapping his arms. Good, good, very fine, very fine. <laughs> Alan whispered, he's crackers. Joe edged toward the door. Don't let him see you're afraid. Crazy people are like dogs. If they see you're afraid, they'll attack. All right. If you take a look at the next picture illustration, it shows you how Billy is acting and the other three very, very worried about how he's acting. And then if we go to page 18, we'll continue and finish this chapter. Could be, whispered Tom, standing his ground. One more. Good, good, screeched Billy, hopping higher and higher and drooling from the mouth. Come on, whispered Joe to Tom. Hey, Billy, burst out Tom suddenly in a hearty, quavering voice. Cut it out, will you? I want to ask you something. Billy's arms flapped slower tiptoed menacingly around Tom, his head cocked on one side, his cheeks puffed out. Tom hugged himself, chuckling nervously. <laughs> Cut it out, will you, Billy? <laughs> Billy pounced. Joe and Alan fled, the barn door banging behind them. Billy rolled on the floor, helpless with laughter. Tom clambered up, brushing himself off. Did you see their faces? Billy said, laughing. Climbing over each other out the door? <laughs> oh, jeez. Joe was pale as an onion. Yeah, said Tom. <laughs> you fooled him. Oh, jeez. Billy sat up. Then he crawled over to the door and peered out through a knothole. Look at them, peeking up over the stone wall. Watch this. The door swung slowly open, screeching. Billy hopped onto the door sill, into the yard, up onto a stump, splash into a puddle, flapping his arms, rolling his head. Alan and Joe galloped up the hill through the high grass, yelling, Here he comes! Get out of the way! And then Billy stopped hopping and climbing up on the stump, called in a shrill, girlish voice, Oh, boys! Where are you going? Did something tear you little boys? Alan and Joe stopped and looked back. Is you going home, little boys? Yelled Billy. Is you scared? Who scared you, Luck? Called Alan. Yeah, yelled Joe. I guess I can go home without being called scared if I want to. But ain't ooh in a doorful hurry? Shouted Billy. I just remembered I was supposed to help my mother wash windows this afternoon, said Alan. That's all. He turned and started up through the meadow, his hands in his pockets. Yeah, said Joe. Me too. He trudged after Alan. And that's where we're going to stop. And Billy does a really good job of trying to scare the other two away because 
even his partner in crime didn't think he was fine. He was all acting crazy. He really wasn't. Uh, he's finished that first worm. He's got 14 to go. We'll start brainstorming. Do you think he's going to finish it or not? And then also make sure you're answering the comprehension questions for chapters one through four and then getting those to your teacher. Have a great day. Stay safe and we'll see you soon.